But today we begin a new, uh, a new series, and it's going to be a nine-week series that will take us to the first Sunday of Advent. Um, and it's a series that we are going to be talking about um, being connected to God, connected to each other, and then connected to the rest of the world. As, as sons and daughters, as believers in, um, in Yeshua, in Jesus Christ, uh, we're called to live a certain way, and we're called to live connected. You know, God's a God of relationships, and God wants us to be in relationship with him with one another and the rest of the world. And so what does that look like? And, and we're going to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, what does it look like to be connected to God? How do you go through those things? Uh, what does it look like to be connected to your neighbors? Um, that's kind of an import, important part of the, being in the community. And then what does it look like for our community to be connected to the rest of the world? And how do we play that out? And so that, that's what's coming over the next few weeks, uh, next nine weeks. But today we're beginning with what you must in order to understand how to be connected uh, to, to God, your neighbor, and the rest of the world. And it's a debate. It's a, it's a debate that was going on during the time of Jesus. And um, it, there's 600 and something commandments in the Older Testament. How many of you can name them all? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I could do it like open, open book. You know, I think I'm going to skip some <laughs> you know, and miss some. But if you're a believer, if you're a Jew during the time of Jesus, you're expected to know these things. And you're expected to live by these commandments. I've called you to live under these commandments. And so how do you do this if there's so many of them? And so one of the debates that the rabbis would banter on about is, okay, let's narrow it down. What are the greatest commandments? What are, what are the ones that we want to pull out and signify that these are bigger commandments than some of the other ones? Like, they're all commandments from God. And yes, all commandments, because they're from God, we should be following. But are there some that kind of elevate themselves? This, this kind of debate thing. You know, in modern day time where we could liken this, it's a little bit watered down version, is greatest football player, quarterback to ever play the game. Who is it? Russell Wilson. Wow, Walker. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. Roger Staubach. Okay, both services like Roger the Dodger. Anybody else? John Elway. Are you going to say your guy, Kevin? Joe Namath? That's who you think. You're wrong, but... Now, you could make an argument that Johnny Manziel is the best quarterback to ever have played the game. It'd be a really short argument. Really weak argument, and you would be wrong, right? There are, I, I threw out Tony Romo at the first service, and somebody said, I say, you can make an argument for Tony Romo, and Kevin goes, no, you can't, um, which is awesome. He's a big Cowboys fan. He's not happy right now. Uh, so uh, there are these things, these guys get into, have you ever listened to sports radio and heard these conversations happen between people or, or seen ESPN, one of their shows, when they're debating these things, people take it for real. Like seriously, and, and just get angry with, with like you think that Roger Staubach, you know, is it, you know because I'm a Steelers fan. You think he's the greatest, you know, and I'm going to come at you with that stuff. And, and people take this really seriously. You could even go like, what, what's the greatest college football program in the state of Texas right now? Somebody said Texas Tech at the first service, and I laughed. I made them leave. Get. <laughs> Out. 
Yeah, I mean, people take this seriously sometimes. And it's so silly that people are like, I have a friend who will not let his daughter marry an Aggie. And he's serious. Like, for real serious. Because I I thought he was joking. And I'm like, oh, that's really funny. And he's nothing funny about it to him. He's like, no. There's no way that my daughter will ever marry an Aggie. Wow. You know that you married an Aggie, right? Because he did. But, um, (laughs) well, there's one good Aggie, apparently. You know, but it's just like people take these things really, really seriously. And they don't matter. They don't matter. You know, the answer to who the greatest quarterback of all time is, is Joe Montana. The answer to who is the greatest football program right now in the state of Texas is TCU. But it doesn't matter. You know, I feel myself, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't, but we've spent so much time debating this. Now, they didn't have football. Maybe they debated who the greatest chariot rider was at the day. But they would debate things of significance. What is the greatest commandment? Because here's the deal. Sometimes commandments would come into conflict with one another. Sometimes you would have a commandment that says on the Sabbath, you were to not pick up a burden. You were not to carry a burden. And the burden was an amount of weight. And it amounted to not very much weight at all. And then you're also to love your neighbor and to care for your neighbor. And so if you're walking on a Sabbath and you happen to see one of your neighbors who is going to be killed from the precarious, they're hanging on a cliff. You know, it's possible in Israel. They're like, well, I'd really like to help you, Joel. Sorry, just came out, Joel. Uh, but I can't lift a burden. It's the Sabbath. So good luck with that. And rabbis would go, no, 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 that's silly. In this instance, the precedence of helping your neighbor of saving this life obviously takes over the commandment of the Sabbath. And so there are all these different debates that would go on and they would get just intricately just these conversations and and it would happen way up here in this rabbinic level. All these rabbis would be going back and forth and the rest of us would be going, could you like just sum it up? You know, could you sum it up for me? Give me, give me a little, narrow it down. And so they'd come to 10. All right, here's 10 commandments. These are the ones that if you follow these, you're pretty much following everything else. And then they'd break it down even further to like Psalm 24. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Only those who have pure hearts, pure hands, who worship no idols, but God. There's a verse in Micah that they would throw out. There's a verse in Leviticus that says, be holy as your father in heaven is holy. All these things that these rabbis would put forward. Jesus has asked this question. Of course, it's a question that rabbis are asked. It's a question that other rabbis would ask one another during this time. It was the great debate. Who's the greatest football player? What's the greatest commandment? And he says this in Mark 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbors as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God. He recites the Shema. Say Shema. This is what we do. This is what we did did at the beginning of the service. There's a reason why we do this. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandments? He goes into the Shema. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Mark includes mind. A lot of people think that this was included later in because in Deuteronomy it's not there. Um, there's an argument to be made that it could be there. Thank you. Well, that's fine too. And then he says, but just as important is love your neighbor as yourself. If you're going to be connected to God, to your neighbor and to the rest of the world, you must begin from this spot. You must begin from a spot where your entire life is about loving God and loving other people. This is the basis upon which everything else stands. Now, Jesus, Daryl pointed out in our pastoral meeting on Tuesday, is speaking to people. He's assuming that the people are already under, uh, under the impression that they are sons and daughters of God. He's not speaking to somebody who doesn't know who God is. He's not speaking to somebody who doesn't know who the Messiah is. He's speaking to people who know. He's speaking to the, the believers. And I think that st- stands the same. You're not going to walk up to some guy who's never met God or heard of Jesus and go, hey, you've got to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. I don't understand what that means. I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't understand what it truly means. Because if you really understand what it means, it's a radical way to live your life. It's a huge foundational change about everything. So what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Heart. It's the seat of your will where all your decisions are made. Everything you choose to do, everything you choose to say, everything, every action you take originates right here in your heart. Love the Lord your God with everything that you say, everything that you do, every action you take. Love God. Everything that you do. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. This is your life, your, your, your very being. It's said that when Rabbi Akibe uh, was, was killed, he was murdered, um, executed, he was smiling in great pain and suffering, but he's smiling and his disciples go, Rabbi, why are you smiling? And he says, because I never knew if I could truly love God with all of my soul, but I can Imagine that on, on his very death. He's like, oh, God, I still love you. You know, for us, the decision stuff is hard. The decision stuff confronts us every day. This soul thing doesn't really, though. We don't live in a country. We don't live in a place in a time where it's very dangerous for us to be believers. We don't live in a place where if we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we're in danger of our lives. We can put little fish on the back of our cars and no one cares. There are still places, though, today where that's not the case. There are still places in this world today where if you believe in Jesus Christ and you tell people about it, you better watch out. Because your life is on the line. Can you love God even in those places with all of your soul? And then the last one is love your God with all of your strength or your might. The translation there kind of means exceedingliness. Try to spell that on your iPhone and see what Apple does with it. It's really funny. Exceedingliness with your everything. 
a lot of times the rabbis will boil this down to your possessions. And so what it's saying is, do you love God with everything that you have? Everything that you've been given. Do you love God with uh, your finances? Do you love God with your home? Do you love God with the talents and gifts and graces that he has given you? Do you love God as the writer that you are, as the listener that you are, as the speaker that you are, as the gardener that you are? Do you love God with everything that he has given you? Now, taking these three things, your heart, your soul, your might. Do a mental, how are you doing today? Awesome. Who was that guy? I want to sit next to him. Oh, yeah. It's a Nelson. I like it. Are you loving God with everything? How have you done today? It's 1153. The last time I said this, it was 1021, and I had already failed. Could I say that every decision that I had made today, that everything that had come from my mouth today, that every action that I had done today, that everything that I, all the gifts and graces that God has, has given me, have I used all of those things to love him today? No. Already failed. Yay. If you truly are a son, a daughter of God, if you believe this and you follow these things, the greatest commandments are to live your life this way. It's radical and it's hard. It's hard. Because I know you people. You bring out the sarcastic in me sometimes. I don't want to say the things that I do sometimes, yet they're easy. See, God is a God of grace and forgiveness. And God says, ooh, all right, it's 1022. Let's start again. Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. If we are to be connected to God, connected to one another and connected to the world, we must begin our day, which is why Jesus begins his day, which is why Deuteronomy commands us to begin our day saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your might. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, because if you do, it's just about you. And, just as important, is love your neighbor as yourself. Just as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. It seems to me that this one is harder for us in today's time because we're so inwardly focused. Because everything that comes out, even Christian publications, talk about how to work on you, what to do for you. As daughters and sons of the Most High God, we're, we're called to love him with everything that we are, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Over the next few weeks, uh, many weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking a little bit more into what it looks like to love God with our heart, soul, and might and be connected to him through those things. We're going to look at what it, what it feels like to love God through loving our neighbor. And then we're going to take it a little bit further. What does it look like being a son, being a daughter of God to love the world? 
to be connected to the people in the world. Today we finish with how we somewhat started. By standing and proclaiming the Shema. Please stand. And I don't want you to proclaim it as if you're a bunch of Gentiles who don't understand what it means to love God. I want you to proclaim it as if you were a Jew and you were living in a world in which you were oppressed and your only salvation, your only hope comes from your brothers and sisters. Your only life comes from God. When you woke up this morning, you knew that you would have to depend on God and depend on one another. Here's the truth. Things haven't changed. We still depend on those. Let us recite it together. We're just going to do the English. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of this Shema, this proclamation to understand who you are as our God. We pray, Father, in those moments that we have failed to live up to this, that we have failed to radically adjust our lives, that we loved you with our heart, our soul, our might, that we loved our neighbors, ourselves. Forgive us for those moments. We thank you that you are a God indeed of grace and forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that as we enter into this world once again, away from the confines of, of your earthly supposed home, we pray that we would go into this world understanding what it means to love you and to love one another. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.